Hello there, and welcome to Pivotal Film. I'm Tom Nolan. And I'm very excited. I'm Mario Ponzio, and this is a horror movie episode. What? I'm so excited. This Tom. kind of came together in like the yeah, last it, couple days. I mean, I, I, I worked this out secretly. <laughs> I just kind of like, you know, I was like, oh, the couple horror movies are coming out. How do I trick Tom into making a horror movie episode? And I did it. Well, you know, it's 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 one of the things that we talked about in the last episode that we. I up. have won horror movie trivia for the past six years, guys. We're gonna do it, and it's gonna sound like it too. Yeah, it's gonna be terrible. When we do, <laughs> I was gonna be giving himself questions, and he's gonna answer them. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it was one of the things that we talked about, kind of uh, on the last episode. We like stuff should just be on streaming. All of a sudden, like the like the horror movie of the season was just kind of casually made available just, for just $20 rental. Tory Black came on our face, and that was, that was it. <laughs> I mean, it isn't the horror movie of the season. The horror movie of the season is Halloween Kills. Because, uh, I don't think it is anymore. It's still, I don't know. It still is, I think. Things that, go, that weren't supposed to go day and day on Peacock, and then all of a sudden are <laughs> now day and Peacock, day on Peacock. Peacock will make a lot of money off that movie, I guarantee you. Yeah. I will put money on that. You'll put money on you want that? You want that? What are they going to say? I don't know. We made a lot of money, and they'll be like, how much? They'll be like, you don't even want to know. A ton. A bajillion. <laughs> and then someone will be like, that's... I, I I say they make ten million dollars. Infinity in Googleplex. I say they make ten million dollars in theaters after releasing on Peacock. Mario, that would be bad. I mean, it will it will be. That, but if it makes only makes ten million dollars in theaters, that will be bad. That movie's gonna be terrible. <laughs> but that will not be a success. The you first know. movie made. How much uh, made, movie did it, it made? Seventy opening, million. An opening weekend. Yeah. If it makes ten million dollars. That's not even like Suicide Squad money. And the Suicide Squad is confounding. No one understands what the hell happened with Suicide Squad. Um, because the, one of the movies we're going to talk about keeps making a little bit of money. Enough to like kind of be a success. Mm. Um, so it's, it's not just like the availability thing. That's that movie, ruining that stuff. That movie does make money. Yeah. It's weird. It does. Um, yeah, because it's not stupid like Free Guy. No. Um, I, I it's very see, did specific. you see Free Guy? No, but... It, Ryan Reynolds is in it, so it's got to be stupid. Ryan Reynolds is in it. It has to be stupid. I'm the one person who's like going to stand here and be like, you're all wrong about Ryan Reynolds. He fucking sucks. Those Deadpool movies are terrible. They're bad, but he keeps making money. I know, but that doesn't mean he's any good. We were all right about Ryan Reynolds for 20 years, and then all of a sudden they're like, no, you're wrong. And everyone's like, yeah, I guess we're wrong. You might be wrong, because he keeps making money. But anyhow, I was wanting to make a Billy Joel reference, but I can't remember that lyric. You There's, may be right, I may be crazy. Right? Are you, are you making a Dave's World reference? I love Dave's World. <laughs> Jesus, that God. was the saddest part of the Emmys, just to talk about something that we said we weren't going to talk about. When you realize that like a quarter of the cast of Night Court died last year. Oh my God! And you're just did. kind of like that is. Oh my tragedy. God! They did. So yeah. Margie Post died. And Charles Robinson died. Charles last Robinson year. died. Harry and Anderson died. Harry Anderson died. Two years Two ago? Two years ago? Or... But Richard Mole is still kicking. And John Richard Mole is... John Larroquette? Yeah, John Larroquette. Yeah. John Larroquette's still alive. But Richard Mole, he's a... We're doing it. He's good. We're doing it, Mario. But speaking, anyways... Speaking of Richard Mole... Very excited. Yeah. Speaking of Richard Mole, 
Is he? A good horror movie aficionado in House, the movie. You remember House? Is he in that? He's from House, yeah. Oh, not, House. Not, not, not oh, House. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not House, the Japanese movie, but House, the I was American like, oh, we just movie. watched it. I don't remember Richard Mole being in House. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we're doing a horror movie episode. I'm very excited. Yeah, this is going to be good. And I'm... I don't know if he... You can't see me right now, but I'm actually shaking. But I think the problem here, not the problem. I think all the three of these movies things, are horror movies. Yeah, and the exciting thing is that I'm also kind of excited because all of these movies you did something to you me. You suggested in a, way. a horror movie yeah, episode because I you saw, suggested that and I was like, "Holy shit!" Or we're doing a horror movie because episode? we were gonna do it. We were gonna watch a movie, and then you were like, "This movie is like we're gonna this like movie. do cry macho with like right. these movies." And I was like, "And you were like, what? we're gonna watch." And you were like, "This movie reminds me of this movie." Then I was like, "Oh, that movie came out this year, and that oh, that movie is available on all streaming services for three ninety nine. Like, I'll watch that." And then I watched it, and I was like, "Holy shit!" They like, worked that together, movie kicked ass, and they worked and together. Then we got the surprise drop of our first movie we're gonna do, and I was like, "It's perfect. Let's just do it." Let's do it. Horror movies. Horror Three movies. horror movies. A whole episode of 2001 so, so horror the first, movies. So the first horror movie we got to talk about, I actually went to the theater for. Yep. And, and it just dropped on streaming last week, I think? This on week? the 13th? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Last week. So that is Nia, Costa, Nia Da Costa's Candyman. This is where it all began. The story of Candyman. Local character, he'd walk around handing out candy to the neighborhood kids. One day, a couple of kids get razor blades in their candy. Police come around. That's when I saw the true face of fear. Get on your knees. Hands, hands, hands. They beat him, tortured him, killed him right there on the spot. A couple weeks later, more razor blades and more candy. He'd been innocent. So he's real. Candyman ain't a he. Candyman's the whole damn hive. If you're out here looking for Candyman, you ask me, stay away. So, Candyman, actually, maybe you should do Candyman. I got it, I got it. You know why? Because maybe you should do all these movies. Because they're your movies. (laughs) Because I know horror movies. Uh, So... Candyman is a direct sequel to the uh, 1992, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Is that right? 1992 um, horror movie directed by Bernard Rose, which, by the way, if you haven't seen it, yeah. one of the best horror movies ever. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the tale of, you know, the people trying to, uh, somebody looking into the urban legends of Chicago's history, specifically the urban legends of um, the Cabrini Green housing development. Mm-hmm. Uh, this film is right next to the entire story of 1992, Virginia Madsen. Vir- Bernard Rose movie mm-hmm. where you know Candyman was a real person and sort of thing and uh, all that has been forgotten in modern Chicago it has been gentrified to history and the our lead actor um, I'm looking at the 1992 movie Jesus Christ uh Anthony McCoy 
is an art, a struggling artist who's trying to find like a, a story that he can like lean into, and he finds a story of the Candyman, uh, not the Candyman that we know of, not the uh, the Daniel Robita Candyman, but mm-hmm. a different Candyman, a Candyman from the nineteen seventies who was just kind of a guy who had offered candy to people and by the Chicago PD had been beaten to death, basically. Um, As he researches this, he becomes attached to the history of it, the Mm -hmm. story of it. Uh, He gets stung by a bee. He slowly becomes Candyman himself. Um... Interestingly enough, the movie kind of does a nice melding between the 1992 version, where Anthony McCoy is revealed to be the baby from the Virginia Madsen Bernard Mm -hmm. Rose movie, but also revealed to be kind of just like this self-efficient artist himself. Uh, And so things kind of melt together, interestingly enough. William Burke, played by Coleman Domingo, also plays somebody who had seen the Candyman. Mm-hmm. Not the uh, Daniel Robita Candyman, but the offering of The candy. 70s one, like the, the next guy. Who was that? was that Candyman? Uh, that was uh, Sherman Fields, mm. the Sherman Fields Candyman. Um, and is hoping to bring him kind of back in a, a really rough third act twist. Um, and it's I'm okay with the third act. Uh, are you? Like a little. Well, at that point, I was like, okay, I I'm I'm willing to let some of this happen because it seems very appropriate. It was missing connecting points mm. to get there, um, but it seemed like where it was going anyway. But ultimately, the story is about like this Anthony McCoy trying to unite with his past of the Candyman story with Daniel Robita with Sherman Fields, with just his history mm-hmm. in general. Um, he doesn't realize he was from Cabrini, uh, Cabrini Green. He just kind of thought he grew up in the west, the lower, sorry, the, the south side, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and things kind of meld together in the end where everything coalesces in the fact that he is going to become the new Candyman. Um, He's going to show everybody. Yeah. Uh, and that's where the movie falls apart for me, mm-hmm. is the fact that this third act is is rough. I think um, Yahal Abdul-Mateen is amazing mm-hmm. in this role. Um, Anthony McCoy is great. The first two acts of this movie are, are stellar. Um, Tiana Paris is fucking terrific. Fantastic. Every, everything, everything about these lead actors uh, works. Like, well, like, everything about... Like... Um, Nathan Stewart Jarrett has his has her um, brother mm-hmm. is great and uh, who's her boyfriend's name as a uh, Kyle Kaminsky mm-hmm. as Grady is is fantastic. You really care about these characters and that's fun to watch when you care about like a horror movie characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, the third act kind of like devolves into a necessity to to get to the end. Well, and so, I mean, that's it. Is it a necessity to get to the end, or is it like a too considered necessity to tie directly to like the 1992 film? Because they had been kind of doing that. You know what I mean? They've referenced, um, excuse me, meeting pizza. 
and drinking beer while simultaneously doing this because they reference the Virginia That's Madsen's character story yeah, in the middle of the movie. Yeah, Vanessa Williams coming back right as the, um, as the mother McCoy. Um, so it's not it's not like it's not there. It's they've been able to bridge it through, which is not to say that there's a character named Bridget. Um, they've been able to kind of bridge the the, the current to the to the past. Um, I thought pretty well. Um, and then they decided, like, it needed to be, like, very direct for some reason. Like, it needed to be just exactly... Yeah. Like, it needed to... It needed to tie in a way that, like, through the while you're watching the movie, you're like, it doesn't need to be... Which blows my mind. It doesn't need mind. to be tied like, this tightly to Did you it. watch the Bernard Rose movie in the past? Like, have you... Sure, you yeah. With it? So, the Bernard Rose movie has, like, that fucking terrific opening sequence of Chicago above that's directly reflected in this movie yep. Chicago from below yep. and these two movies are s- s- like synergized so well yeah and it was it was a bummer to me to see like Nita Costa kind of like my problem with this movie is Nita Costa feels like she doesn't have enough courage to like make a movie cause like I feel as though she fucking nails it yep. until she's like uncomfortable with like doing it. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%, but I don't think it's her being uncomfortable. I think it's and if she is uncomfortable it's because Jordan Peele is there kind of telling like directing her mm-hmm. like what to do in almost like a Kevin Feige like type thing where like this is IP or something mm-hmm. and he needs it to go in a certain direction for whatever like the second Candyman is going to be. Um, and I don't even really have a concept of what that could be based I don't, on I don't this want movie. It to be anything. I did. I didn't want it to be anything, but it almost feels like it has to be because if it's not, what the hell was the point of this movie? Because you could have done something totally different. You could have given me another twenty minutes and done something really meaningful at the end that wasn't just kind of like it's Tony Todd's CGI deep fake face well, under my, a, my, under some bees. My biggest issue with this movie is um, there is. To some extent, <coughs> Tom died while I said this. This is gonna sound weird, but um, there's like a female gaze issue with this movie hmm. for me, where um, looking at Anthony McCoy shirtless constantly, I'm just like uncomfortable with how how much we look at him shirtless and prone and i i feel as though there's an extent to that that's trying to say like he's vulnerable and whatnot but it doesn't feel as though it's serving the story it feels as though it's like just trying to say like this guy's hot and he's shirtless yeah i feel like if she if someone was to argue that it's serving the story you could say that like you know by the end of the movie he has no shirt on and half of his movie is covered or half of his body is covered in these kind of like high yeah. indents and stuff like that. But it, it's not. It's not, though, right? Like, his arm is covered. Never his body. His body is, too, yeah. But at the end there, when um, Coleman Dingamingo cuts his hand off and jabs the thing in there, yeah. um, his, like, this whole one side of his body that he got bit on is all pocked up. So even when he goes to his mother's house um, and she puts his hand on his face, well, I mean, you can house, see yeah. it the whole, you can see it the whole time, but then she sees it and just kind of points it out so his face is all his like face is all fucked up and shit too yeah. um, the vulnerability thing I think is is real I think it's one of these things too where um, 
Yahya Abdul Mateen is is in Tiona Paris to that point, and and um, Tiona I mean, Paris. I mean, they're fucking. They're great, amazing. But I think it's a weird. I think we're in a weird space generationally, where I think it, we want everything to be very casual, and I think the idea that like someone with a his body type would be super comfortable just like having no shirt on is not like weird at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also one of those things where like he's old, but he's not that old. You know what I mean? And he 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 comes off as as not an old soul, but like experienced. I think that's one of the. I think this movie's major flaw for me is actually like um, the structure of the story, because I think there's things that like they felt like they needed to do that they didn't have to do. Like there's no reason that we need to be introduced to. Like I know they want to save the the mother thing for the Vanessa Williams kind of reveal. But from a story perspective, it's probably important that we have met his mother before. Um, It's probably important that we understand a little bit of the nature of Tiana Paris' character's dad's art and how that kind of factors into, like, everything that happens. I I think all that works, though. It works, but it's... It's... I think what starts to happen, and I think it's to what you said like in the intro, I think what starts to happen is this movie seems to feel very tossed off. Like they're just, by the end of the movie, they're just tossing things in to kind of try to coalesce some of the character development stuff and um, uh, some of the themes into whatever is going to come into the third act. They want an emotional affect for the third act and that they haven't necessarily earned. Yes, exactly. And it seems like they're just, they're, you know, to use a reference to the movie it almost seems like a bonfire effect where they're just kind of like finding stuff and then just kind of like throwing throwing it in there to try to make this fire as big as possible which makes me question like whether or not that third act um twist the the twist with um william burke coleman domingo like being like the villain was not like something that they did because they had to get a certain emotional affect for the end? Well, I... I it feels so... But we talked about it dissonant. downstairs before we did it, and, like, it felt like they... I'm going to assume that there is... I haven't heard anything about the idea that, like, you know, there is a DaCosta cut or something uh, where, like, a studio took it away from her and kind of made their own... Because they, if they did, they made the wrong decisions and she should say something. Yeah. Um, if that's the case, it almost seems like there's 20 minutes missing out of this movie. So one of the things I appreciated about the idea of this movie is its economy, is that it functioned so crisply and perfectly too, too much though like but like for the first 40 minutes you're like it's hitting all of these notes and it's not wasting any fucking time um and it's getting through like um the art piece it's getting through the relationship piece it's getting through all of these different it's getting through even kind of the Candyman piece it's getting through the gentrification stuff um, I mean, I hate when they... I fucking really hate in movies. And this is one of the reasons that made me question the structure. When, like, an idea has never occurred to a main character until some other secondary character just mentions for no reason to the main character, like, what the movie's going to be about for the rest of the movie. Because there was no reason for him to mention. He was just like, y'all want to hear a ghost story? Like, out of nowhere. And then he's like, I'm going to tell you the story about what this movie's about. And you're just kind of like, why did this happen? And I guess it kind of works. It kind of does. But I think the writing, if the writing was tighter and more fleshed out, they could have been having a conversation that got them closer to that Mm. instead of being like, I don't know what to write. I don't know what to make art about. Let me tell you a ghost story. I will make art about that. 
And then they kind of, it just kind of goes from there. And most, and everyone's so charismatic and the filmmaking is so good from like a, a, a shot perspective. It's really, really good. I mean, Nia DaCosta like hits a fucking Correct. home run out yeah. of this. No. Um, I did not see, like Little Woods is not this. Little Woods is a good movie. But it's not like constructed I, I seen, visually like this. I still haven't seen Little Woods, but this is just um, shot amazing. Yeah, fantastic. And it's, she, for most of the time, she does a really good directing job. Um, but I think it's part of the problem where it's just some of this. It, what's the goal here? Is the goal to make a movie about these themes using the Candyman IP to like address those like very mm. modern themes that were being addressed in 1992 as the basis for an interesting horror movie which are being I mean which I guess were very relevant in 1992 but you know today when it's like front page news every day about like you know Black Lives Matter and all this other stuff um, and especially in a place like Chicago where like nothing seems to ever be getting any better in Chicago in terms of um, where your initial scene is like bringing something new to the field right um this movie in ultimately is about the Candyman movie, and you it almost feels it just the ending feels super cheap because they spent all this time kind of building up these bigger themes and, and just even as, being a Candyman, right? And establishing them as like so. I think one of the things that we talked about is the idea that like the people that die in this movie in relation to the Candyman story are people that don't understand it. They're white people for one. They're people that are kind of taking the the uh, urban legend mythology for granted as a kind of titillation rather than something yeah, that really people, means something. Yeah, all the people something. who die are, are white. Right. Like, um, upper middle class people, right? But like, I, I they, say, you know, right? but like, yeah, absolutely. But they set it up in the sense that like, if you say Candyman five times, you know, you die. And Tiana Paris, at the end of the movie says Candyman five times and she doesn't die because she gets it. She's Which saying it. Great. For, right. Absolutely. Well, entire, like, fuck the blue life matter people. It's, it's a great finish. Right. But I would also say to be fair, I guess that like that cop didn't seem that cop is being a fucking asshole because in the movie he's supposed to be a fucking asshole. Yeah. It's one of those things where like if something totally fucking weird happens, like Yaya do you know, What's his name? Um, Anthony. Okay. Um, he is dead. Ish. He gets, he, gets dead. Shot, he gets shot by police. And then they shoot him when he's in which is, Tiana Paris' which lap. Which is stupid. Which is really stupid. And yeah. then the guy is like, you could be doing this, or you could be doing this. Do we really think that Tiana Paris... Do they legitimately believe that like this woman is the mastermind of like all these different murders? Like... She was at dinner when that other woman was murdered. And there's a bunch of people that will tell, like... And then this is, like, nitpicky shit, but it's the stuff that, like... When but the it movie leans, ends... it leans too far into its, like, theme. Right. When, it, when the movie ends the way that it ends, you're just kind of, like... You can't help but nitpick because you're like, why did you do any of the other really cool stuff no, that you did if you just wanted to make a Candyman like origins, a new Candyman origins? Because I, I I appreciate like the ending of it where she like brings Candyman to kill everybody, but you have to earn that, and it doesn't earn right. that. Well, and then it and then it and then it uh, erases whatever coolness it has. 
by doing the Tony Todd Tony deep fake. Yeah, yeah. You know, tell everyone. It's like, cool. We will tell everyone. Someone's still going to have to answer for all of these cop murders. And the only person that they have is this one <laughs> person who's Paris. still in handcuffs. <laughs> so, like, how is this going to work mean, out? I mean, you know, it's... You know, it's Brown Manuals. It'll be fun. She'll be like, nah. It happens. Yeah, we'll, we'll break. And that's the thing. Maybe they'll do something like that. Maybe they. Maybe the second Candyman movie. Well, that's 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 my issue with it. My issue with it is like, there's a really solid movie that's arguing in between like, um, not necessarily the Black Lives Matter thing, but like like black prejudice and whatnot. Art prejudice as well. Mm. Like the fact that an entire first act deals with like Anthony McCoy trying to become like an artist mm-hmm. and like doing that in the face of like him being a black man mm-hmm. was so fucking cool. Yeah. The... And then it just like drops it. Right. Like when that first like two kills happen, um, that first kill's amazing mm-hmm. of um, the, the, girl. the girl. Yeah. The Joy Division girl. Yeah. The, yeah. The Joy Division girl. Like that. That's. From a that's not CGI, but from like a makeup perspective, that kills great. And then like the other guy, like that's solid, and then it kind of just drops it. It just kind of yeah. becomes like a really typical kind of like black versus white. Although sort of thing. And that's it's interesting. But like, had it been like an a, a black artist versus like white privilege thing, that I, I watched that movie and I'm like that's a much better movie. We're like you have yep. um, I don't want to say black privilege, but you have. Um, you know, like like a black artist, a, a, a person who's kind of ingenerated himself to white culture. Mm-hmm. Um, he's participating in like the the um, upper class art the, the, community, the white, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the white community. Yeah, and but he's now seen as a killer. You know, that's because he's a black man, mm-hmm. like versus all of what you're seeing. I think I thought that was such a such a better movie and I got really excited about it yep. and I just kind of like dumped it. No, I agree with you. And it was, I, I kind of felt the same way too like later in the movie when you kind of see his art and I thought he was working on self-portraits and I was like, oh, that's a really interesting idea like having these self-portraits degenerate from like really crisp like lying charcoal drawings of his, of eyes, of mm-hmm. like his face and then um, kind of, uh, turning into this Francis Bacon-esque, like, monstrosities, but, yeah. like, all being himself. But then when you show, like, a very Tony Todd-looking face in it, and you're just like, he's representing all past Candyman's because he's I'm just, like, another in a line of these, you know, enforcers almost, like these these justice keepers, these make-writer-type people. It's, it's like passe. Um, yeah, you're just kind of like, who cares? Like, why can't we just focus on him? Like, let's just focus on the character. Why do we have to focus on the 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 constructed artificial mythology of the first movie? Which, which actually... It's a good movie, which, and there's a lot yeah. of mythology there. But, like, why do you have to make a whole movie of, uh, that's... Why do you have to pretend like this movie's not about that movie and then ultimately reveal that this movie is just about that and, movie? And it worked. Like, this movie worked as an affront to that movie because... Um, Abdul Mateen has like such a, a, a statuesque kind of figure to himself, where he, you you could have done anything with him. Well, this reminds this like movie, he's he's such a he's he's, he's such a charismatic he's, yeah. yeah he's charismatic like 
one of the best performances of the year, I think, personally. Like, um, just, it's uneven. Just in terms of yeah, it's, performances of the year in terms of charisma. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, like, you could have done anything with that performance. Well, like, the last time I saw him was... In, like, say, yeah, replaced with Tony Todd. I was like, I don't want him to be replaced with Tony Todd. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can have, like, him being... Tony Todd being referenced somehow. Yeah. Um, but I don't want Tony Todd in this... Like by the end of the movie, like when they show like the Tony Todd face, it's like, well, that was that sucked. That's, that sucks, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the last time we saw him was in Trial of Chicago Seven, and he was buried under a bunch of Aaron Sorkin nonsense and horrible uh, prosthetic hair. But I saw facial. We see him in the, you know, the, the trailers for Matrix, and I'm like, I'm excited to see him. Yeah, and he was really good in the in the Watchmen show because he was um, Mr. Manhattan in in the mm. new Watchmen movie or new not movie the limited series yeah, yeah. on HBO, and he was like excellent in that too. He's he's one of um, he's going to be one of those people that we see a lot of in that you know as he starts to kind of build his credentials. He's not going to be one of those people that plays characters. He's going to just become a star at some point when he plays because he's right so character. fucking charismatic. And this movie should have been that. But it was unwilling to commit to his character enough yeah. to allow it to be. Yeah, that, that was my, my apprehension of this movie was the fact that, like, I watched it and I was like, Nia DaCosta, you're, like, this was a great movie, but Nia DaCosta wasn't comfortable with doing it. I, yeah, I think she Nia got Costa, hamstrung like, just, by something. Yeah. And that kind of I feel like sense. she got hamstrung by herself. I feel like she's... Oh, see, I feel like it was an industri- like a Jordan Peele industrial complex. No. Yeah. Which is, I don't really blame him like i feel like he's been working on this for a while um and but he's, like, he's still like, making it for a studio too the screenplay is not good enough to like do anything but that's it. what i'm saying is that i feel like this is this was made because the movie is so well directed and so well shot and so well acted as a viewer you think you kind of forgive some of like the mm-hmm. non-nuance of the script and well, you, you're allow you just kind of allow yourself to go for this very aesthetically pleasurable ride until the themes and the ultimate desires of the filmmakers and studios kind of overlap. You would you would much. agree though that the movie kind of like loses its plot at the, in the bathroom sequence. Like, had it not been the bathroom, everything before the bathroom sequence, the movie is like on track with what it's trying to do, and even yeah. afterwards, it kind of like tries to follow that but my, like that bathroom sequence just throws everything off filter. my problem with the bathroom sequence is twofold is one we've already seen maybe it's a rule it's, it's of too much of a, thing it's too much of a body number it's like it's <clears> trying <throat> to build up body number and it's kids for no reason like yeah and it's um it's also um it, that, the that bougie like, the yeah. bouginess of that girl is I, I guess we're supposed to find her in contrast or in we're, yeah, we're supposed to find like compare her to like the art critic and the art dealer, but she's just a kid. She doesn't fucking know shit. I think, and um, I think so. I'm not think, sure why she should be yeah. held responsible for like the gentrification of like that. Chicago. Scene's already done really well with the um, the girl, the um, like the uh, the history post grad or whatever. The girl gets her throat slit like that. Character that that character is there the the first victim 
of the movie. Oh, oh, the Joy Division girl? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. she's the one... She is... I think they just wanted more kills, and that was my other problem with the yeah. movie, with that with that scene. I don't, that I don't need... We don't the, need that. The sheet of blood is taking also, me right out of it, because it looks like someone's pouring red velvet cake batter on also, the floor. Also, as, like, a horror movie fan, I don't... Like, as a guy who likes adding body number to a movie, that it didn't work. It just was, like... It just seemed gratuitous. Yeah. And it was a movie that, and that, that's a problem. This is a problem. The movie's problem is, main problem is it's unintentional contradictions. In that the movie was made so intentionally that there's some weirdly gratuitous things in there that take, that detract from the power of those very intentional scenes. If only that gratuitous scene had happened in a prison cell. Am I right? If it happened just in a jail cell, it would have been controlled would have watched it I would have been like this is this is perfect is that the scene that people are kind of pointing to as like mm-hmm. they, they love that scene I really dislike that scene like tremendously like not even because it was like badly done even though it was um, <laughs> it's because it's like the tone of the movie oh no the, the tone of the movie changes it's horribly that, that, scene. Un, that scene is horribly unearned based on like the tone of the rest of the movie and that movie we're talking. What do you mean? Well, <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it right now, Mario. What uh, movie are you talking about? We're talking about the new James Wan something uh, malignant. Whatever it was, it's back. He killed again. He's getting closer. He wants to talk to you. Mom, what do you know? He's coming for me. Okay, kids. Let me take a breath. Let me crack open this beer. And so, Annabelle Wallace is an actress, and she's like, uh, you know, she's got, she's got some some things going on with her, a headache, I guess, and a really abusive husband, and that abusive husband is fucking with her, and that abusive husband throws her against a wall, and he should not have done that because it unleashes something, a tooth monster. You know, <laughs> it unleashes teeth. Yeah. The teeth. Remember that movie, Teeth? Yeah, I do remember Teeth. That was a better movie. It was a way better movie. Um, and and actively horrible. In no, ways that no, this... No, 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 In ways that this could we will, never be. We will discuss this. Uh, teeth is... Teeth is... Jess, Jess Welksler is going to come upstairs into the Pivotal Film Tower and beat the shit out of you right now. And I will watch her and be like, good job, Jess. Uh, you know, she gets uh, she gets beat up a bit, and uh, her husband gets killed. Yeah, and then some other people get killed. 
killed and like his in bones in his arms or in his shoulders just like stick out and you're just like I didn't think those bones in his chest were that shaped. It's fine. But whatever. Oh, uh, you know, somewhere people get killed. Um, Annabelle Wallace is like, this isn't cool. There's something weird going on. There's some other weird stuff that happens. And eventually we learn, you know, that Annabelle Wallace was, was adopted. Mm-hmm. She wasn't born. She was, she was adopted by her, her sister. <gasps> and was That's not a total a mind blower of a revelation. Oh, my God. And then we keep going on with this movie yeah. for like another 40 minutes. And it turns out she has a conjoined twin that is in her head, in the back of her head with like little... Like Voldemort like little arms. in the first yeah. movie, in the first Harry Potter movie. But and, with arms. and then they cut off his arms and I'm like, I guess we're going to push him into the back of the head. Yeah, we'll just push, we'll push a human, half of a human head into another I mean, head. And it'll be fine. To it's be fair, fine. you know that this movie's intentionally doing this. This is where we're going to do the negative review. They know it's fine. It's James Wan doing this on purpose. But we're, I'm going to talk. <sighs> one of the things I want to talk about, like when we get to it, is that like how I get that, but every other choice that he's made up until this point it's makes terrible. that it's terrible. makes that revelation yeah. just the worst. And it turns out, you know, Annabelle Wallace has a has a conjoined twin. That is evil. It got buried into her brain, and she's a killer herself. Her conjoined twin is a killer. Her conjoined twin controls her joints. Knows how to like break himself out of the back of her head. Yeah. And do some cool killing, and then bring himself back into her head. It's very necessary because they've established that he's part of her I brain. I hate this movie, but I also love this movie. Okay. I, oh, are you no, done? No, no, no. Are you no, done with, no, like, the, that's, that's, are you done no, cooking? No, no, actually, I actually hate this movie. I just... You can love it if you want. No, I hate this movie. I don't want to I don't want to feel like I'm judging you. No, I hate this movie. I, I, I legitimately hate this movie because... So, James Wan, smart director. This is going to be me doing a horror movie thing. James Wan, smart horror movie director. Uh-huh. He knows what he's doing. He's trying to direct an Abel Ferreira movie. An early like 1980s movie he's trying to do basket case, but Abel Ferreira knows what he's doing and knows what he's doing with a, a dirty movie, right? It's so like Mrs. 1945, uh, Miss 1940, uh, Miss 45. Sorry, uh-huh. you ever see that? No, but I know what it is. Um, <clears throat> it's gross, it's uncomfortable. I hate watching it, but it's really well done. But it- the Abel Ferrer movies from that era feel gross, and but they're, they're they're really well done. But you know what they're also not is like trying to be funny while also trying to be serious. Oh, oh absolutely. But like they're well. What I'm trying to say is like they're well done in the sense of like there's a control of the yeah. film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. James Wan does not have a control of this movie. James Wan is a really solid horror director. James Wan directed the shit out of Death Sentence. He directed the shit out of Dead Silence. But he's too slick. He's too clean. There's an entire shot in this movie that's shot from above where you're watching Annabelle Wallace, who's one of the worst actresses alive. I'm sorry, <laughs> Annabelle Wallace. Uh, uh, you know, Chris Pine, punch me if you want to. But it's like... It's, Why, it's are shot, they married or something? They're, they're dating. Oh. Uh, it's shot from above, and like it follows them all throughout. And I'm like, watching this going like, this is so clean, so precise, and it's so wrong. Mm-hmm. And this movie is wrong in the sense of like, 
when the twist happens, which I think is fun, I just watch it going like, yeah, but the movie that has been built up to this point doesn't work because it's 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 a dirty twist. It's a it's a twist in which, um, you know, you don't trust your you don't trust your audience. You just say like, no, oh, yeah, the uh, monster is in the back of her head. Typically, would work, right? Mm-hmm. But like, you've made such a clean, such a precise movie at this point that it fails. Um, yeah, and but the cleanness and the preciseness is the wrong, <clears throat> is the total wrong tone exactly for a movie that can't be taken seriously on any level. So the tone of the movie is one hundred percent serious, absolutely, but is just is fucking terrible so it's not played for laughs ever but every word that comes out of every character's mouth is literally the absolute stupidest thing that could come out of any character's mouth which would make it seem like he's trying to have his cake and eat it he's trying to have his own cake and eat it too he's trying to make a serious movie um, that functions as a non-serious movie and I think the problem with what that is I think you see this in something like um it's expressed pretty well in Dolomite is my name mm-hmm. where um, Dolomite what's what's Dolomite's name like the guy that plays Dolomite oh, I, don't know. I forget I his name but the guy that played him is trying to make good movies and he's not it's something like or even like the room which is you know become a non thing at this point um Tommy Wiseau was not trying to make the worst movie ever. He legitimately thought he was making a good movie. But everything he did was totally wrong. So he ended up making a hilarious movie. James Wan's James Wan is, make, is spending movie. a lot of money to make what he wants us to believe is a is like a bad movie on purpose, which is just ultimately is just ultimately bad. It ultimately ends up being boring. Super boring, and the twist isn't even a twist because the way that the the movie's so fucking serious that like you want the twist to be something major, batshit insane, right? And, and the second that twist happened, I was like, yeah, I know, I know that that the monsters in the back of her head. Well, when they the problem with the twist is that they show too much about it. So when they're like, "Oh, he pushed it into her head," and then you know you just assume that when she hit her head, it like unleashed something. But if he's, you see that in the first scene, if he's inside her mind, if he has control over her body, why does he turn his the body inside out so he can like face stuff? I mean, it's kind of funny. I think that's kind of. But it's only goofy. it's only funny because it's so pointless. Yeah. But it's not sold as pointless. It's sold as supposed to be like scary and mildly horrifying. No, I, I don't think so. I think that's sold as funny. I don't. I don't think anything in this movie is sold as funny. I think. I think it's sold as. No, I think. It's I think sold it's supposed as, to be sold I think as weird. Sold as weird, but it's supposed to be so on the nose that's funny. So like, but that's the whole problem. James Wan that... had done had done Dead Silence. Have you seen Dead Silence yet? So Dead Silence is like a really on the nose, goofy horror movie that was told straight. It's a mid two thousands horror movie. It's like his first movie after um, Saw. Mm-hmm. And it was just a gigantic flop. Like mm-hmm. it, it did not work. Mm-hmm. And this felt like his attempt to do that movie again. Mm. 
Um, but that's the thing. He's too. But he's he's not. I, I don't think he's telling this. He's not telling this movie seriously, because he he would not do that fucking action set piece. In in no the, in the but, police. But what I'm saying is that he, in his mind, it's all a joke. Absolutely. But the movie that he made is not a joke. The movie that he made is toned um, and functions like a really slickly made uh, horror movie. Oh, see, I think I think he's he all of it is a joke. To him. But no, it's it's definitely a joke. But what I'm saying is that he made the wrong movie to articulate what that joke Absolutely, is. Absolutely, yeah. So in in that case, it's a just a complete and total failure. And I think well, it's, it's, a, it's a bummer. It's a bummer in the sense of like, has a big horror fan. There's multiple moments where like humor works here that he fails on. So like um, because the movie's not humorous. So when he's yeah. actually trying to do something funny, like tell an actual joke or make something actually humorous, it falls flat because all the stuff that's not supposed to be humorous is like ridiculous. Well, or just ends up being just boring. Like when he has the sister park up against like the fucking huge cliff. And it doesn't do, and like she goes into the house, like goes into the hospital, and nothing happens. Mm. And she leaves the hospital and just watches the video. That's from a horror movie standpoint. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Like it's funny that she like enters this like really dangerous position, finds a video in a really scary like the the build up is like oh there's gonna be something spooky happens and nothing happens mm-hmm. and she just like ends up watching the video and nothing happens. That's funny. Or um, where James Wan's wife, um, the, um, the, the, the forensics the person? CTE yeah. chick, just like drops her glasses off and just ends up sitting there while the monster kind of like does this thing. Mm-hmm. And she just kind of like does her own thing. That's kind of funny. Like from a horror movie standpoint, all this is being presented has like but a he, thing. But here's the problem is that he's not commenting on anything. So this is not one cut for the dead. Where yeah. it's a that is a really humorous and lighthearted, but like very pointed commentary on like zombie films. Um, no, it's just like a, it's like a side joke for nothing. And, it, and but it, it all works. And this is this is so self conscious. It's like he's so in his own what head. The, what the fuck is he doing with that action set piece in the in the police station? Well, I think station? he thinks that it's supposed to be. So if you're referencing Abel Ferrer, I think he the movie that came jumped right into my mind when it was happening was the Warriors. Not because anything happens like that in the Warriors, but every single one of these women is dressed in a very stereotypical, like fashion for some reason of like a seventies mm. like you know street person movie and. You're, the whole time you're watching it, you're just like, why is like why is this happening? And you know it's a setup. When it happens, after it starts happening, you're like, oh, it's just a setup so um, she can kill all these people. But there's so much CGI. Yeah, that, uh, that's like, what fucking bums me out, too. It's like, like when, when he's, at some point, he's like, I used your body better than you used your body. It's like, okay, you don't have... You are just like a half of a brain with teeth. You don't have access to additional muscles or karate. But she has access to extra strength and karate while or some kind of other martial art 
when he's in charge of her. And where did he learn it from? Well, the thing I'm was she the thing like that, watching that, karate movies? What really bummed me on this movie is the uh, kind of Gallia throwback where um, the older doctor gets stabbed in the face. So you, you see the doctor get stabbed in the face with really terrible CGI. Mm-hmm. And it cuts back to him later, and you get, like, a really good shot of, like, I assume, like, a puppet. Like, like it, it has a good, like, makeup mm-hmm. face shot. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you watch it, like, oh, this was a better movie. Like, this movie is, is so clean, so... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? So um, clinical. Yeah, and the Jalo stuff so is, is meant to be more of like, and that's the thing. That's the part with like being influenced by a style is that like the Jalo stuff is representative of like a very specific kind of aesthetic, and it's for. And we're going to talk about Jalo movie. Yeah, soon that it does Jalo amazing because it's supposed to be of. Um, it's supposed to be vaguely surreal. It's supposed to have like a dreamy quality. It's supposed to have a it's nightmare have, quality. It's supposed to have the the aesthetic that Giallo was trying to Giallo, Giallo, sorry, uh-huh. um, that was trying to bring out mm-hmm. in, in the film. And this movie doesn't it doesn't it have any of that. It has it thinks it has it in its badness. It thinks that's and that's the problem I have with this. You know, I guess that this James Wan experiment here is that. He thinks, and I know he doesn't actually think this, but for some reason he has decided to express this thought in this movie with the idea that what makes a Jalo movie a Jalo movie is that it stinks. Or is that it's badly made. And that is wrong. Or that it's pushing limits. Or but Weird even the, limits, But yeah. the limits that it's pushing here aren't being pushed. I mean, the people that are saying, like, the, the twist is so shocking here, it's like, have you not seen Antichrist? She cuts her fucking clit off. Have you not seen? Have you not seen fucking Dead Silence, a James Wan movie, where a fucking little ghost um, puppet is the villain? Right. Or have you not even seen something really totally fucked, like but in a different way than like a really fucked movie, like even the like the newest Suspiria. Like, which is just lost to time now, apparently. Like, nobody... Like, it's a movie that never existed. That movie is fucked up. But it's not fucked up in, like, a body growing out of a headway. It's in, like, a... Bodies aren't supposed to move like this in the natural way thing. Or, like, this music sequence is weird. Or, like, all this stuff is very typical giallo weirdness and tone and atmosphere and feel and this movie has the Which wrong is a tone bummer. has no atmosphere and it doesn't seem like he has any feel for well, what he's doing a, it's a bummer because like he does have uh, a lock on like doing the giallo like movement like the fact that he he chose like a contortionist to do the movements of gabriel right like that's cool as shit, mm-hmm. but he didn't lean into it. He just kind of like goes like, eh, it's just like CGI it, or whatever. Right, and the uh, it's know. a bummer because like he just like he doesn't care enough, I guess. Or... But this is why, and this takes us back to our conversation like a couple weeks ago, I guess, about the idea that like this movie on HBO Max works because I have HBO Max because it comes with like whatever package I have. This movie in a theater, we are not having this conversation if this movie is only available in theater. Well, that's, that's and then I have to. That's something we should mention. Though, is like the feet, like the mention of this movie is like it's one of the most twisted movies of the fall. It is not even. No, kind of. it's it's a goofy, dumb movie. 
It's, it's stupid. It's silly. It's fun, I guess. If you, if you, uh, yeah, if you have the right mindset and you want nothing from it, I guess it's a good time. I, but I, even the stuff I that like you would them. want from it is not well. Like the kills aren't really very interesting. No, Annabelle Wallace is still one of the worst actresses in modern film. I'm gonna say that right now. What else is she in besides? Well, she did. She done the Mummy. Um, oh yeah, the um, Tom Cruise. Yeah, the Tom Cruise Mummy. That was, that was her big film. I can't think of what else she's done since then. Oh god, she did something else. We talked about. Um, Boss level. She had that one scene in Boss level. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She's not. She's not good. She's not good. But that's. I mean, I feel like he probably cast her because she's not great. I feel like the boyfriend scenario. I don't even know. Like, I'm very pro the idea that that boyfriend sucks. But I also husband. have. I husband also, that dies. Yeah. Oh yeah, the husband. I. But I also have no idea what the fuck either of them are talking about. Is he? I'm assuming that the babies are dying because Gabriel is. Killing them. Well, that, that, the, but sister, the, movie, the sister brings it up. Right, but the movie implies like, that the Gabriel's ba- eating your babies, <laughs> which is one of the, to be fair, one of the best line, right? Like, dramatic line delivery, delivery wise, this movie delivers. When she says like, when um, was that? Is that uh, Maddie Hassan says like, Gabriel's eating your babies is is really solid line um, delivery from a horror movie. Yeah, standpoint. yeah. Oh, absolutely. And but that's. I feel like she's the one character that seems, and the one actress that seems like she gets it a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, her and um, George Young playing the uh, George Young and I, th- I think George Young and uh, Michelle White. I think the two cops kind of get it too. But they're too. Uh, see, I, the reason I don't think they get it is maybe not. It's not even their fault. It's just so whether or not they get it matters not at all. They're such horrible jokes. Like they're written at, and and portrayed as jokes, but I feel like they they present themselves as jokes. Right, but again, works. that's another problem with the movie is that like around them there's like non jokes happening, and you're just like, well, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and I think, um, so like I, oh, I lost my train of thought, but I had another train of thought that I could jump onto. I think the thing that this movie reminded me a lot, or this movie made me wish I could watch again, was um, uh, Invisible Man. Well, that, that's my issue. Because that's I, my issue with this. It made like, me appreciate so much the stuff that was happening in I mean, this is the thing, this thing I, how I want to lean into is I think this movie, uh, not only this movie, but Upgrade and comparing with like Descendants has not, and like Furious 7 has proved to me Lee Wannell's like the guy who has the talent. It's possible, like, yeah. Because like Lee Wannell knows how to lean into just like the goofiness of it. Like his upgrade, um, Invisible Man. They're just they're, they're <coughs> goofy horror movies. They but they know what they are. And their but their tone is right. Also, so yeah, Invisible absolutely. Man is goofy, but it never feels goofy. Like it's goofy and it's it's goofy and it's it's uh, existence. You know what I mean? Like it's I'm making an invisible suit and I'm gonna abuse my I'm gonna use my invisible suit to like but that terrorize my that wife. sequence where like Elizabeth Moss finds out why this suit is invisible is amazing. Or every every um, instance where Elizabeth Moss is interacting with the non like presence of the suit. Like I kept thinking about the restaurant scene for some reason when that's, I was watching. That's this one movie. of the best scenes in it's horror a great recently. Scene. 
And this movie... Like, her sister just kind of looks over at the knife and then gets her throat slit. It's, it's a horrific and awesome scene. And it's ridiculous, because it's a guy in an invisible suit, like, slitting a throat in public. And Elizabeth Moss is Elizabeth Mossing all over the place. But because, the, because everything is very consistent, and it's not, like, talking down to the audience, or not trying to, like be kitschy or yeah. reference something it's its own thing it works and is um it's interesting and it's aesthetically pleasing and it's uh it's uh not i, I use titillating before it's to describe something it's fulfilling fulfilling is a good one yeah yeah, well, yeah fulfilling especially because in the end like when he gets his comeuppance yeah it's, it's it makes you just kind of like come on yourself right it's too. a good payoff yeah um and in this movie, I mean, the Stephen King ending of this movie is just a fucking travesty. Like, I'm going to lock you in this cell in my mind. No, it feels it feels like... How uh, about that, buddy? Oh, I don't like it. I'm going to get out. Maybe. I'll be, I'll be back and I'll be ready. But I'll be, it's like, what are you going to do? Stab yourself in the head? Like, what, how, how are you going to be ready? And if it gets out, like, you know, why don't you just make a chamber that, like, they can't get out of? Or something. I don't know. Like, who cares? Who fucking gives a shit? The, the thing that actually also bummed me out is when she created a prison for him. I was kind of hoping it was going to be, like, fun. Like, a fun prison. Like, a unicorn prison. Because, <laughs> like, I created a prison for you and it's just, like, unicorn and rainbows. And he's like, oh, I hate all of this. Well, I just, I also think it's really lazy, the idea of that they just decided that Gabe, how Gabriel looks is, like, how Gabriel looks. Like, I think in a, a better horror movie, they try to, like, um... Uh, symbolically, like re kind of interpret Gabriel's like inner presence yeah. based on like something else besides like he is literally just half a face and backwards limbs, just like a Langoliers sort of thing. Something, just yeah. just just do something else, but it doesn't. It just is like isn't this scary? Isn't this so creepy it's and not, dumb? It's not. It's like scary. no, it's, it's like, not anything. It's kind of like it's boring. The second they showed me that monster like on the side of his head, I was like, come on, guys! Like, come. Why is you taking this so seriously? If it's a monster growing out and of like, head, from a CGI standpoint, it sucks. And how does this get? How do they get psychic powers? Because she's a monster growing out of her head. Who cares? I yeah. But this I wasn't about, too bothered by the CGI I wasn't, the, powers. That but. stuff like didn't it wasn't it didn't bother me like contextually. It only bothered me because like all the rest of the filmmaking is so stupid that they're just like oh and this, yeah, right? You know, it, just, it felt like if like James Wan like like knocking into you going like oh, I did it. And it's just like yeah. It's Do you get terrible. it? Isn't that cool? It's like yeah, I, I get like, it. No, I get it. It's... But like it sucks, bro. <laughs> Yeah, this, you know, it looks okay, I guess. Like, it's very slick-looking and commercial. Like, good for you. But yeah. it also stinks. But it's also kind of like a bummer. Like, I've seen Dead Silence, and it's a better movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the problem. Yeah, and like you said, about the Lee Winnell stuff, is that, like, the other people associated with these movies are doing better work. No. Um, and I think it. I'm always concerned when a, an artist leans into like the out where he can say like it's not a serious movie or it's a joke or you know whatever um instead of just kind of owning what it like making a better movie and owning what it is yeah which is i think what this is i'm just, just you know, i'm doing the like, thing James yeah. like, yeah. hot. Look at her. i'm gonna make an aquaman movie it's like hey guess what those movies aren't cool 
Like, you are not a cool guy because you make Aquaman movies. Well, it's like he thought this was cool. It's like, it's, it's not. It's just it's boring and passe. It's well, passe. I love, really. like, and we can move on. I love the idea. We can move on to a movie where, like, they don't care about this stuff because the director has control over their film and um, it makes aesthetic and uh, emotional sense. Um, the the uh, acquisition of the signature killing tool is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my whole life. And he I was Lee when I was so proud about that though. What? Like you know, like when he like figured out that killing tool with like the um Oh James Wan. J- sorry, yeah. James Wan. Like when he figured it out, he's like, I'm so proud of that. And it's like why? I'm gonna use this sword trophy and I'm gonna cut it down. It's like, and make it sharp, and then like, I'm only gonna like, kill. Don't, don't worry about it. And then, and then when he like cuts it down, I'm gonna use. You know, I'm only gonna use it one more time. Yeah, and but they're gonna and know that there goes me. there goes my mind is gonna play. Yeah. Oh my god, that was so bad. And I, I actually, I actually kind of appreciated that for as like a joke. Yeah. Yeah. I hope. I mean, but it, again, it's not so. played for joke. It's played for seriousness. And then when you're like watching, you're like, this isn't serious. Like, why are you doing this? And what house has an exhaust, like a huge human sized exhaust fan <laughs> on top of the house? That that sequence is kind of funny, though, where she kind of just falls two stories. But, it's, but that's the thing. But it's not, it's, I can't tell, and this is not a comment on you. I can't tell if you're laughing because it's legitimately funny or if you're laughing because it's so fucking stupid. It's so fucking stupid. But like, so that's the thing. Why would he spend so much time doing something that's so dumb? Why not just make a good movie? A good, scary movie? No, I know, I know. Why use this like fucking schlocky shit as a crutch? Well, that's the thing I said, like, leading into our our last review is like the fact that like when you asked me, is this deliberately bad? I said, no, it's deliberately shockly. Yeah, yeah, you did. Yes, that's right. And because our last movie we're going to talk about is deliberately schlock, but it's really good. And it's done for, the schlock is amazing for a different effect. Yeah. And it acknowledges it's schlock while um, blowing your mind the entire time because it's 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 schlock is earned and is purposeful and has a and has a place and uncomfortable yeah and has a place in the universe that it's building this movie is building for itself um, and that movie I guess and this is a this year movie right this is twenty twenty one yeah yeah so which is awesome is um, who directed this no this is a uh, Prano Bailey Bonds censor. This depiction is dangerous. Come on, ain't it? I'm cutting it. Butchery, sadism, murder. A wave of depraved and corrupt horror video. Confusing fiction with reality. Doug Smart, producer, Ident Investment Films. Maybe Enid could watch my latest Frederick North submission. Wanted a woman's eye on this film. There's this actress. I've got this feeling that it's Nina. My sister. You know, if someone did take her, then there's still out there. You've never been clear on exactly what you remember. 
be surprised what the human brain can edit out when it can't handle the truth. Someone's losing the plot. I was wondering if you had anything else on this actress. What's going to happen to her? That's top secret. People think that I create horror. Horror is already out there. In all of us. And so, Enid plays a uh, worker for the British Board of Film Classifications during the early 1980s. This is during the Video Nasty era. Mm-hmm. So the era of which I believe it was 70 or 80 some films in which films were denied classification in Britain, mm-hmm. uh, including uh, Driller Killer, which is shown in the film, mm-hmm. um, The uh, Evil Dead, uh, other films. Uh, by definition, is um, that Cannibal Carnage movie that they reference? Is that a real movie, or Cannibal? Uh, cannibal Holocaust, right? Is I don't think they said Holocaust. Is it but maybe that's what they're, No, I thought it was. I thought it was like alliteration, but I'm sure it was probably ref. Probably like referencing it's, prob- that. it's probably like Cannibal Ferro or Cannibal Holocaust. Maybe yeah. Or if it's not, if they didn't say that, because I don't think they did, it's probably the movie that they're like yeah, mentioning. Yeah, 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 or they're referencing. Uh, but she plays a censor in these. Errors, um, but she is also the sister of somebody who disappeared when she was seven years old. Her parents have basically finally given up on um, finding the sister mm-hmm. uh, and are trying to get Enid on board with just kind of like writing it off. Enid, however, watches a movie directed by Frederick North, who she feels as though the main actress is her sister. Mm-hmm. And so she dives deep into that film. She thinks as though that Frederick North has kind of kidnapped her daughter, kidnapped her sister, sorry, and has made a movie about it. So she gets really deep into it. A little too deep into it. <laughs> and eventually uh, finds that uh, that sister, Alice Lee, and brings her back to her parents. And her parents, uh, her parents, her parents aren't uh, really appreciative of, of her bringing her back. But well, it depends she, who you ask. Yeah, it depends, it depends on whose perspective. It depends on what editing scene you see. Right. Um, yeah, that that is the extent of it. Uh, this movie is is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It's just just an absolute. Uh, it has it has the wherewithal of horror films. It has the wherewithal of of, of production and editing. Um, I, I can't I can't mention the name Alger. I believe is her name. Plays Enid know. Baines. She's Irish, so that yeah. name could be pronounced. A, she is any number of phenomenal. Ways. She's great. Yeah. In this, she she plays two different characters. Basically, she mm-hmm. plays the character of the very controlled Enid, who's you know, editing movies and the Enid who is, um, uh, you know, falling inside movies yeah. and is like obsessed by movies. Um, this, this, this film controls itself until it's third act and it's third act goes fucking balls to the walls in all the right ways. Yep. Um, perfectly. Perfect. Absolutely. Um, I was watching this movie going like, this is fine. 
as a, I'm a big red letter media fan. Uh, we talked about that. I've talked about this before. It's just a, it's guys that review movies, but they're more comedians than movies. Oh. Uh, and when they reviewed this movie, they were like, oh, this is fun. Like, I was like, oh, this is fun. And then like when it goes to the limit, I'm like, it goes to it. It, yeah. it doesn't. And it commits to it. Um, I mean, Algar goes full on. Mm-hmm. She's one of the best performances of the year for me. As a hard movie. She's yeah. good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, it's it's rough. It's it's hard to watch. Well, but it's hard to watch sometimes when it's not even stuff that's happening in the movie. Yeah. Like them showing clips of movies in the very beginning was worse than anything that fucking well, happens. She's, in yeah, she's just watching like video, like nasty stuff, and you're like, no, this stuff is fine. Like it's not a real thing. But I think the pro- I mean, I watched this movie right after watching Malignant, and I was. This I, movie blows. I like, like two. The reason the reason we talk about this is like this yeah. movie blows malignant out of the water right. for what it's trying to do. I couldn't give two fucking shits about the horror aspects of malignant. They are non-effective, non-interesting, non-scary, non, you know, squirm-inducing. Gross. They're, they're, they're not gross. They're not gross. Yeah. The even just the beginning of this movie. Watching like, um, or even not even the beginning of this movie. Watching some of the scenes that she is forced to watch in, like even some of the made-up movies that they did for this. Um, that one rape scene, um, which you know they talk about, it's which is supposed to be kind of like at the church. No, no, no. This is that one scene where there's like the guy and she recognizes like the office from um, guy, that guy's yeah, house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's effective because it's uh, referencing. Other movies that did that exact same thing. So if you are a person who watches a lot of movies, you know that that stuff is real. Not that it's real, like it's well, no, it got has, raped. It's that, that, like there are movies that have that stuff happening. Oh God, what's the Lars von Trier? Like it has that like Lars von Trier sort of ethos to it. Mm-hmm. it that like gut feeling to it. That kind of like I don't necessarily know what that, that well, cinema is called off yeah. the top of my head, but like the Nordic. Whatever. Well, the Dogma ninety five stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dogma ninety five. I mean, stuff. I, I, the movie that this. So I kept thinking, did you, did you end up watching Viol- a violation? On it's on Shutter. I did that, yeah. Um, it also came out this year and features like a, an interesting lead performance. Um, I watched but a, lot a of, but I watched like Abel Ferreira stuff. Yeah, and this like reminded me of that. Sure, and that's a. a I'm only thinking of violation. I just saw it, and it's it's like fairly new, but it's a rape revenge movie. Um, that is. Not um, super effective because it it is um, too close. It's too close, but that's not the way that I want to describe it. It's because it um, doesn't have a metaphor attached to it. So it's which I guess it, one would argue that it doesn't it doesn't need to, but it's ultimately in service of it's ultimately in service of just. Um, establishing the plot of mm. a rape revenge mm. movie, which I've got a, I've kind of got a big problem with, is when like the rape is kind of unearned, which is like a horrible thing to say. But if you're, because no, it think, almost, seems, that's fair. Cause it almost seems like you're making a movie about, a, it almost seems like you're making a movie about a rape, and then everything else that happens after it is still just kind of doubling well, down think, on the I think, rape I think, qualities. I think this movie almost skirts that line. It does because, and but it's it does it well. 
and is more effective and affecting because it's attached to it's attached to a, a, another metaphor. Well, like, this movie also the, works because it's directed and produced by a woman. Right, and I think I think a violation like is, that. In, that entire like ending scene of this movie is so fucking good. But I think it's the where, like it's just like the girl screaming and it cuts right back and forth it's, between it's what her genius. Yeah. And I love. I mean, I love the idea that like this movie. I don't know if you picked up on this, and they have nothing to do with each other because they like weren't made in reference to each other. Both this and Malignant open the same exact way. It opens with like. Yeah, shitty no, no, TV I, footage. No, I did. I, and I, I was just like, because I, uh, what, okay. did you not remember me saying like, hey, I want to review Malignant. <laughs> Watch Censor. Right, yeah, yeah. That's right. It reminds me of what they're trying to do. But I think it's, it reminds you of what they're trying to do is because they're purposely trying to make an old style looking movie, but that old style is committed uh, or, or um, themed movie too, or, or just like a very specific horror yeah, genre. Yeah. Um, but this movie commits to the period, you know what I mean? That it's the, the, it's a video, it's a, it's it's a, a video really, nasty that is referencing video nasties. You know what is, I mean? Which is really a rare moment in, in it, cinema. Absolutely, it mixes politics with emotion. You know what I mean? Like the kidnapping of or like the disappearance of the the daughter doesn't seem um, exploitative. Um, it in in service of like establishing horror it seems ex- it's it's in service of establishing an a, a, a character well, uh, no, was, a, 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 you know a, a background or, remember, or a character I watch character it, when i watched this movie i was like the movie i compared it to like this is kind of humorous cuz of the fact that like this movie is going to be showing in jacob burns is i compared this to like uh souvenir part 1 mm. like it had the same kind of general feel of souvenir like in terms of its lead character of being kind of like in this mess of a world. I mean, obviously, obviously the end scenario is way different than what would have happened with Joanna Hogg in, you know, mm-hmm. Souvenir. But like it felt, it felt as though it's like the same kicking off point. Yeah, it's, a, it's interesting. That's, that's interesting because it is a consideration. More so than it's like an active, like um, horror movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're really considering an era and a person living in that era, confronting the nature of that specific cultural era, like head on. And I think uh, a souvenir is someone doing that less broadly, more acutely with like their own their own personal narrative. I'm gonna be honest with you. I like this movie way more than I like um, a souvenir. Um, if, if only because John Hogg just punched herself, which in is the fine. Face. I, I think I think <laughs> I think it's one of those things where like the souvenir is in the moment is a, like a satisfying, independently minded film. This is this is more real and true. And this this um, hits harder and almost seems to have like it has much less of a narcissistic value, and which is not to say that like. The souvenir has no value. Oh my god! I'm just saying, from like a, from but, a, a, an, a, an um, experiential level, a sensual level, I this is was drawn from experiential level. Way like that, this, like this I was hits, never drawn to the souvenir. It's in, like when he when he says like, "What are you doing?" When he she stabs him in the chest. Yeah. Well, the it whole just, di- it fucking hits the whole di- the whole director scene when he's like like screen testing her in the woods. And like she just doesn't get it. 
the the dread just builds and builds and builds because as a viewer you find this director guy totally pretentious but you also there's a moment when and you gross. Become, and, and gross and gross but you also there's a moment where you become aware not the guy that she kills but like the guy in the in the woods yeah um there's a moment not the guy where, she decapitates but the guy like like the right. the Frederick North kind of like stand right you the guy, the guy, which is actually great because the guy like sits there for a second before she decapitates Frank North and goes like, "What, what are you, you doing?" Do? Yeah, and it's great. We just goes like, "Super great!" Goes, like, "What are you doing?" Because we understand as the viewer, we've understood it since she got to the trailer that oh, they're just making a movie. Yeah, and this guy sucks. And he's but he's he's a step removed. He's right. not only just sucks. Like, he sucks, but he's, like, a step removed from it. He's just, like, is like, it's a movie. And it's part of, the, it's part of like, the shitty game that he's playing. You know what I mean? And we get it, and it's unfortunate. But she's, because she's so, and that's why I love this movie. Because this movie has subtext where Malignant has none. She's so, I'm so deep. I'm, in, so, I'm so excited. You love this movie. Yeah. Anyway, she's so. Like, when you, when you always said, like, you should watch this movie, I was like, he's going to hate this movie. No, I, I really liked it. And she's so deep into those movies that she can't let go of it. She's so deep into the narrative of her sister's like being found that she can't let go of that either. And those two things are working simultaneously. Her sister's and, dead, too. Right. And the beauty, I think, of, of this movie is expressed, I think, in um, comparing it to something like um, Candyman. These movies are both about the same length. If you take out the Candyman's extensive credits, it's about the same amount of yeah. content. Um, but the economy on display in Censor is made to a, is used to a much greater effect no, than no, the economy pr- in pr- Candyman. Probably Bond trusts herself, and Nita Costa doesn't. I think they're both equally really good filmmakers. Mm-hmm. But like, pro- uh, Bailey Bond trusts herself, and or Nita Costa doesn't. Yet. Or we can like, I mean, because I think I and they're both better filmmakers than fucking James Wan. Right, and like James Wan's a fine filmmaker, but he's not like a good filmmaker. He's like one step above like that he's Josh a, Trank guy. He's a fun. Filmmaker. Sure, him and Josh Trank are operating I mean, I, on the same I would same say, thing. I would say, I would say, *Malignant* could have been fun. Could have been, except if he didn't know how to make a fun movie. Yeah, he did. Um, but like these two directors, like Nia Costa, Prano, Bailey Bond, know how to make a movie, but they're new well, filmmakers. Be, so I'm gonna be honest with you. Let's just look at *Aquaman*. The scene in the Nick Cave scene, there is a kingdom. I still haven't seen um, *Aquaman*. Overall. Oh really? Yeah. So the there is a kingdom scene when Aquaman comes out of the water and goes into the bar in the Snyder cut is I did see this a hundred times that more <laughs> fun than just that one scene. A hundred times more fun than anything that happens in Aquaman. A hundred times. Aquaman fucking stinks. Everything about it stinks. DC movies stink. The DC he doesn't he doesn't trust himself enough. Well, right. it's just because the character fucking I, I, I sucks. Think, I think James Wan is a good director. I don't think he trusts himself enough. James Wan is a good director when he's not trying to be so like so like because like Saw's, even look Saw's, at, Saw's a good movie. But let's look at even something like um, what's the Ty West movie? The Jonestown? No, the no, Jonestown um, one. Fuck. Oh what's the name God. of that movie? I have, my phone's open. I should just look it up. Keep keep talking. I will, um, I will get it for you. It's that movie is commenting on um, 
The Sacrament. The Sacrament. The Sacrament. Yeah. That, that movie is so fucking good. It's so good. It's so small. It's so simple. It feels very independent. A little unfinished. Like everything's a set. You know what I mean? Like it's very obviously yeah. a set. But he's able to achieve a mood while still con- like uh, an, uh, and an appropriate tone and one that is effective. Did we talk and- about the movie? Did we talk about the movie on this podcast? This podcast? No, because it came out in 2013. But we yeah. did talk about it. I think in reference to other stuff. I thought we talked about it in reference to um your next because I like love that movie. Maybe. Um. Or he was a- in I something. AJ Bo- Bowen. Yeah, maybe. I don't remember why we talked. We we. It was we, AJ Bowen with uh, your next. I think it's uh, it's possible that we talked about it um, in regards to, or not in on the podcast. We just talked about it. Yeah. yeah. Um. But but that movie is able to. I will, I will willingly talk about that on the that podcast. That movie was anyway. able to comment on horror movies like that while making it having its own original thoughts and making its own original thing. You can. Point to the. I mean, you can point to something as well, inflamed, whose reputation is so inflamed it doesn't even matter anymore. Like the Green Inferno, as commenting on all those, the you know, cannibal holocaust and all that other well, shit. Well, focus on the podcast. We can talk about uh, the guest. Yeah, yeah. The, the guest, guest was on sure, my list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we talked about that as a horror movie. Though. Where and it's bad. It's like no, no, but like it's <laughs> it's it's not trying to be. Yeah, yeah. It's not trying to be like the Citizen Kane of this kind yeah, of movie. It's diving into the things that make that kind of movie what it is, but it's doing them authentically. So when Dan Stevens kicks the shit out of a bunch of guys at a bar, you're like, that's cool. When he kills, that's when he, weird. Yeah, when he kills, um, what's his face? Uh, the guy from... Lance Reddick? Not Lance Reddick. When he kills um, the guy from Avatar. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, Joel David Joel David Moore. When he kills Joel David Moore, like it feels authentic. Um yeah, and even when like we he does the classic, like the best scene that ever happened in, in Pivotal Film history with the grenades. Like it's a joke. You know what I mean? But it's it's the because the tone is consistent and authentic, it is earned, feels real, and is legitimately yeah. both funny and cool. And there's nothing that's happening in Sensor that's as cool as what's happening in The Guest. But it feels, but it feels really earned. And, and, and it's of a whole... Exactly. It's so authentic and so real um, that you can just slip into it. I mean, Sensor isn't cool. Nothing about Sensor is cool. No. It's uncomfortable. It's I, purposely I hate, not cool. I, I hate watching. I hated watching it, to be honest. I hated watching some scenes. The scene when she goes to that guy's house was really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but, like, even the finish of it, like, when the oh, ending happens and she's, stuff? like, with yeah. her parents and, like, her parents just kind of sitting there and she's like, yeah. I, I, I hated all of that, but it's so fucking good. I could have done with, like, another minute of... Like, but I'm happy. Please, but please be her. But I'm happy. It, I'm happy it did and did not do it. I just wanted. The, I wanted to feel very uncomfortable at the end. Like, and if I had, if it had, the movie had kind of committed itself to, which is not to say there's anything wrong with it. I, it's probably going to be in my top ten for the year. Um, um, if it had committed itself to kind of doing like almost like a stand-up comedy thing, where it commits to a bit that's not mm. working so hard that it eventually becomes kind of funny. Um, 
if it committed to like please be her please be like you know you ha- it has to be you or whatever she says for like a lot longer before it transitioned out of that into like the kind of surrealist ending that it did it would have both it would have pushed me out and then drawn me back in with its commitment to yeah, yeah. like this just derangement um but even as it is it's and it's a thing we don't know how to talk about movies anymore malignant is not deranged malignant is not like whatever this movie this is movie deranged is fucked up um but it doesn't like if you were to just to describe it to somebody you, it wouldn't sound fucked no. up there's no babies growing out of anybody's heads in this movie you know what i mean no one plunges like a hand a backwards bent like hand through like Zoe Bell's popping chest. up in in the third act of this movie. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's that just doesn't happen here. But like when she sits down to watch um what, well, is, what is what is that movie that she gets from the video store and like the paper bag? When she sits oh, down to watch that movie and nothing even really happens like that we see but you know something well, terrible has happened when she shows the video case to like, her dad. You're just like don't like, show is, him this that. This is the most fucked up movie since um, nine nine days. Nine days is an extremely fucked up movie hmm. when you think about it. Interesting, right? Interesting. Nine days makes me so happy that I, it's hard for me to think of it as fucked up. Nine days is like the, nine days is the unfortunate movie where we just keep talking about it. We're like, oh yeah, it's the movie that was our best picture. Yeah, but like it is fucked up. But that's why I'm happy to have encountered something like Censor and something like The Card Counter. Um, because they are not the movies that everyone's telling us are going to be the good movies of the year. Or, like, the movies that, like, oh, this is going to be... Like, if the card counter gets nominated for... If the card counter manages to snag a Best Actor-like nomination, or even a Best Supporting Actress for Tiffany Haddish, which is, like, probably on the table because she's maybe a little due, and I think the Supporting Actress... I think Actress this year and this shit-fuck year... This, this year's going to suck, right? Like, I think she's might be able to score an Oscar nomination. Yeah. But, like, that would be a gift. You know what I mean? And we're talking about Oscars in the same way that we never want to talk about Oscars. But, like, I'm happy to have really three really interesting movies that are kind of kicking my ass this year. And then some of the stuff that we saw earlier in the year is still very effective. Although, when you see some of these movies that are functioning like this, Judas and the Black Messiah, you almost wish, like, pushed a little harder to be, like, a harder movie. Well, Judas Black Messiah. It's technically for us, it's 2021, yeah. Okay. Um... The Father, I think, is a pretty good example of a movie that's pushing pretty hard. Feels pretty good. It's twenty, yeah. Still twenty twenty one for us, but it's also not. It doesn't have the thematic weight that I think some of these, like the card counter and censor, does. It's very specific to its plight, which is hard and terrible to watch and unfortunate. And like it's an acting, like it's it's, it's an I, acting I really masterclass. I'm so excited that. A horror movie is making you feel. But I think, but I mean, to, you know, I think I, we talked about this a little bit when we ended the podcast proper. Like, I was able to encounter some horror movies on a different level than I was like previously led to believe that I was able to encounter them on. So, like, and I'll, I've talked about it before, and I've talked about it to like a bunch of other people that are not on this podcast that have definitely not wanted to hear about this movie. I saw The Devil, like, is a fantastic film. If we're differentiating between films and movies, I saw The Devil as a film. A guy eats human flesh. A guy almost kills another guy like 
50 times and then ultimately kills him and is kind of sad about the way he killed him to the point where I'm kind of sad about the way he killed him. Um, it functions on the level of like a standard issue action slash horror movie, but because of the quality of the filmmaking just, and the subtext works. of it, it is it, so yeah. much more. Yeah. And Censor, in a lot of ways, I feel like is that exact same way. And I think... I mean, Censor's fun. It, just, it does not hit the level of that. But. No, it's because it's not fun in that exact same way, but it's fun. But it's also not fun in the sense of like it's not as good of a movie as all of that. So. No, I suppose not. But I think it's one of those things that works. It's one of those beautiful movies that works in, in comparison to like the world around it. Well, and I think that's a really interesting way to put it because it, it's shot like a video nasty. It's about video nasty. I encountered really... it kind of you just kind of being like, this is a this is a good movie. You yeah, know, we're, well, I just I just texted you and said like, no, so malignant happened. Watch this movie instead, and it actually does everything better. Right, and I was <laughs> never gonna see that movie. We were never gonna see that movie in theaters. That movie was only ever gonna be available to you or me on a VHS tape. And you, you would have never seen that movie if not for me telling sure, you. Sure, and watch that, that but that's how the, that's how those movies function in yeah. real life. You know what I mean? Like the TV screen is the perfect place to watch that movie. Because that's the only place you were ever going to watch it. Yeah, and the yeah. only unfortunate thing is that my TV is wide instead of square. Where in like the perfect version TV. is that like you buy a video from Blockbuster and take it home to your square TV. And like pop it into your noisy VCR and it runs and you feel like something terrible is... Like you feel like you've done something really wrong. Yeah. But you can't bring yourself to pop the movie out of the thing. Which is exactly what happens in this movie. It's a perfect marriage of medium and theme... Um, and aesthetics that you know is is just as a li- is pretty it's special enough to be special, yeah. and especially in a year or in a movie climate that seems as barren of specialness um, as this one is proving to it's, is proving it's, to it's be. It's going to be bad this year, but I think our top tens will be interesting. I mean. But they'll be also like, how interesting is the Green Knight anymore upon reflection? I think it's really solid and very well made and really good. I think it's one of the best. But is it like... No, I I honestly think it's one of the best. Right, and I think it's one of the best too. But it's also, the more that I think, the more I think about it, the less interesting it becomes. Really? The more I think about it, the more interesting it does become. I almost feel like I I need to be watching it more to like renew its interestingness. I've watched it. Like three times since reviewed it, so right because it's on demand now, so you can just kind of get it. Um, it has that. Uh, it has that. Uh, you know, it has that. Um, the portrait of Lady on Fire. What element to it? There's a portrait of Lady on Fire element where I can like watch it over and over. Oh. Again. Um. But I'm not, I'm not denigrating it as a movie. No, what I'm saying all I'm saying is that it's like as I've encountered other movies, and then just got the opportunity to see Nine Days again. Um, in a oh, theater, is still number one. It's it's become very competent, excellently made. Cinematography is beautiful. All the choices are right. The casting's correct. Um, as a whole, though, it makes more sense to me why it's good than something like Sensor, which see or the Card Counter or Nine Days, which seem to be operating on their own levels of mm. of cinema almost, yeah. which is a stupid thing to say. But Green Knight, I get. I don't necessarily get the card counter. I don't necessarily get censor. Um, but 
the more I think about them, the better they work for me. Yeah. Um, which is, I think, is just like proof of like a, a certain depth. And I think David Lowry is capable of those depths. I just don't think he's like necessarily oh, sure. looking for them. He's not trying to go get them. He's still trying to make. I mean, The Green Knight is a weird movie, but it's definitely a crowd pleaser. You know, I mean, the the right crowd. Like Dev Patel is her, is very heroic. It looks beautiful. It sounds beautiful. It's an interesting flick. Yeah. Um, but is it? I mean, it doesn't. For me, it doesn't punch like censor punches. Like censor punches. You think hard. so, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Um, but it does, again, I, I don't. I don't want to def, like Uber defend my. Well, I'm not, you know, not defending either of them. <laughs> uh, my but, pre- like, I would. I would say they're both like very equal with like what they're trying to do. For me. Personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, and I don't necessarily disagree with that. It's just one of those things that like those two no, movies absolutely. kind yeah, of yeah. kicked me in the yeah. balls, and I was just kind of left. I'm actually really happy that you. Like I present you censor, and you're like, those movie like killed me. Oh yeah, it was it was it was it was um, an experience. I mean, I, I just present you censor as to be like, hey, here's a movie to like talk about. But I think the problem is that so malignant. many people do horror movies wrong, and so many people focus on the wrong things when they're making horror movies. And this feel, movie focused on the right things. I feel as though we do horror movies right. Yeah, we do. That should be our I, new slogan. I mean, I can... I Pivotal can, film. I can fucking do horror movies, man. We do horror movies right. I can do horror movies, man. We do them good. If you want to talk about horror movies, you can tweet us at Film Pivotal. I hope at this... the Sacrament. <laughs> uh, Ty West, AJ Bowen, Joe Swanberg. But if you want to talk to Joe Swanberg a little bit more, you can talk to Joe Swanberg while watching your next, directed by... Adam Wingard. Adam Wingard. Also someone who's better at this than... Mm. Adam Wingard, <laughs> the director Swan. of your next... Of, not your next. The director of The Guest. Uh, I don't know. And also a Godzilla movie. Yeah. Which was awesome. Joe Swanberg did not direct it. Imagine if Joe movie. Swanberg got a Godzilla movie. Oh my movie. god. If Joe Swanberg directed a Godzilla movie. Imagine if the Swanbergs... Is there two Swanbergs? Was it, it was just Joe? just Joe? Imagine if Joe Swanberg and the Duplass brothers collaborated oh, Coen Brothers style on a Godzilla movie. Oh my god, that'd be good. That'd be really good. I would have come everywhere. <laughs> uh, if, you, if you have more questions about that, you can email us at pivotalfilmpodcast.gmail.com or you can go to pivotalfilm.com and see a list of the movies on our Pivotal Film list and uh, beers that we drank during that whole experience and how to subscribe to us and how to get to us on Twitter. Um, we'll be back in like a couple weeks. We got those big I'm always, I'm always out. around. Tom is the one making the decisions. Sorry, <laughs> I guess I am. He's the big boss. Um, but we got some big movies coming out um, that are mostly, I think, coming out on streaming. I believe. Um, I'm. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I feel as though Clint Eastwood's coming out with a new movie, right? Another one. It's like, oh, here's my movie. the sixteen eighteen to Paris. I'm sorry. Been a movie now. This is my movie. It's just him sitting, trying to get oh, out of bed. I'm going to catch a nap. I'm going to catch a nap at this restaurant, which is never open. What you didn't? I like pancakes. How come we didn't talk about the restaurant that was never open? We talked about Crime Macho. Why is that restaurant never open? There's never anybody in there. And you can't say that it was a COVID thing because there's lots of parts of this movie where there's people in them. Because he was an old man. Just put a couple of people in the restaurant. 
<laughs> he was an old man. The second he was an old man, I was like, it's Why does fine. she have a restaurant? Why doesn't she just have a house and be like, oh, excuse me, can I, I oh, can use is, your is that, is that is that your is that your is that it's your my placement? My Here's my closure. <laughs> you want to name your cock macho, huh? Not my fucking. <laughs> what are you doing? Why is he swearing so much? I love, I love Bush. I love Bush. <laughs> you know what would have made Cry Macho even better if he left a cut in? Or if there was a boom mic? There, there I would should, have been much more been, appreciative. There should have been a solid cuck imagine in if, the middle of Cry Macho. Imagine if, I was like, oh god, this guy's a cuck. And it's like, oh boy, that guy is definitely a cock. You no, know, imagine if um, James Wan and Clint Eastwood were essentially making the same movie. Like, they're both making, like, parodies of a style of movie. That, that could have never happened, though, because like, Annabelle Wallace is an attractive woman who, like, has an age to her. And Clint Eastwood would have assumed he could have had sex with her. And it's like, no, Clint Eastwood, you could And not. she'd be like, I don't think so. Yeah, she would have been like, I am. Like forty. This is not gonna happen. And she's like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know." It's not gonna happen. I'm aware. Um, he's like, he's like, you want to happen? She's like, "No, I am an adult person. I definitely don't want it to happen. I'm going to do everything in my power to ensure that this doesn't happen. Which means I'm just going to blow really hard in your general area, and your whole <laughs> half of your body's gonna fall off. I'm literally gonna blow my own brains out to just make this movie not happen." James Wan is just like, I, I think, I think we, have to, we have to have a scene where like you like present yourself to him. And she's like, I'm going to kill myself. Could you blow my brains out? Someone, please. <laughs> no. I've, been no. loading, I've been loading all the guns in my movies with non-blanks for years. It took me, took me five years to find semen for myself. I just... Oh, never mind. Okay, right, let's move on. Watch, don't, don't watch Cry Macho. Uh, but, but do if, watch, if do, do ha- watch censor. Do watch censor. You have to watch Cry Macho. Drink a bunch of beers. And, we'll and don't watch our, our our review of it. No, it's funny. It's a good one. No, fair enough.